My name is Stuart Walker. I'm a professor at the University of Lancaster in the UK, where I'm chair of Design for Sustainability. And Stuart, you were giving a talk here at the Spirituality and the Professions Conference in WIT about uh, the spirituality and design. Yes. So you're coming from a very more scientific, you've an engineering background yourself. How do you see spirituality influencing design? And it's very unusual, really, isn't it? It is quite unusual. My area of research is designed for sustainability. And I've come to understand what sustainability means over the years in greater depth as I've studied it. I started looking mainly at the environmental, the ecological aspects of sustainability. And then as our understandings of sustainability have developed over the years, they've started to include things like social equity and justice. And a lot of the uh, design uh, associations, international design associations, claim that design can improve the situation for businesses, for people, improve our current condition in some way. Whereas when I look around the world and I see many of the uh, repercussions of design, they're not really improving the world. We're creating more and more things more and more things that we throw away that and we use more and more energy more and more resources to create those things we create more and more waste our oceans are full of plastics air is full of particulates and pollution and this is all the result of this growth-based production system which is based on materialism and so it's hard to reconcile these claims of improvement which is what design claims it does with what we see around the world today and so that made me try to understand why that was the case and what kind of values and motivations are pushing people to produce all this stuff to buy all this stuff because we are all part of that system of consumption you talked a lot about good bit about consumerism yesterday in some way it's so overarching the consumerist principle that it's almost overwhelming and yet design people if they design something to, you know, depending on what it is they're designing obviously but it usually is for somebody to consume it yes of course of course well the whole raison d'etre if you like of our society is based on the idea of individual consumption that's what drives our economy so when people are going back into the shops maybe after a recession and uh, after a quiet period and people go back into the shops and they start buying things again our newspapers and our, our news media report that is a very positive thing, a very good thing because the economy is booming. And in many ways, you could say it is a good thing because it, it helps create jobs. It, it also creates wealth. I mean, there are questions about whether that wealth actually gets distributed properly, but in principle, it creates wealth. It's not necessarily equitable, but it does help create wealth. But there is a huge cost to that. There's a cost to the environment, yes, but there's also a cost to people because it puts people's priorities on materialistic goods and looking for happiness through the consumption of material goods or the consumption of more experiences like, you know, more luxurious holidays or so on and so forth. But in the end, people realize that actually you don't find happiness in those external benefits and those external rewards. It's something that you have to look for internally within yourself through relationships ships with other people. They are the wisdom teachers over the ages which have, have come down to us uh, through religion, through spirituality, through philosophy, that it's our relationships with others which lead to true happiness, which contradicts all the messages of advertising and marketing and consumption. And so if we want to progress our ideas of sustainability, 
and design for sustainability, we have to take those into consideration and find different ways of creating an economy which is not based on consumption, which is not based on continual buying of more materialistic goods and not looking for external rewards, but looking at a more healthy economy, a less, a more moderate economy that isn't based on so much growth and using up the planet because we're looking at the earth as a kind of a, in a utilitarian way to provide resources to make money basically and we should be looking at it in terms it's our home and we have to look after it and care for it and we have to care for each other and when we do that that can lead to true happiness so it really kind of questions puts a big question mark over over our complete economic system and what that means for design and for the future it's looking at perhaps i'm not sure how we do this at the moment but designing less designing in ways which enable people to foster better relationships with each other to design to appreciate what we have in terms of the natural earth but not necessarily consuming material goods all the time and you gave a few examples toward the end of things that were designed with principles of real sustainability, reuse, recycling in mind. Can you just describe some of them for us? Yes, as part of my own research, I do propositional design, exploratory design, where I use natural and processed materials in combination with mass-produced components, which can be separated out at the end of the day so that the natural materials can be returned to the natural environment without any ill effect and where the mass-produced components can be reused in other applications. But there are many other aspects, positive aspects, many of them being progressed by young people these days, looking at alternative ways of living which are reducing consumption. So there are things like repair workshops, tool lending libraries. We've had book lending libraries for a long time, but lending libraries which lend tools and recreational goods, the sorts of things you use very occasionally, but you would like to use occasionally, but you don't necessarily want to buy or you don't necessarily have the room to store store in your house. Things like camping equipment or a kayak for the weekend or various tools that you might use very occasionally. That's in Canada, is it? There was an example in Canada, but I think there are other examples in other parts of the world. There's a new shopping mall in Sweden opened up where everything is repaired, refurbished, and they're all reused goods. It's extending the life of goods, giving other people the benefit of goods which other people maybe have no more use for. And it's still contributing to the economy but it's reducing the amount of material consumption. And that's the way we have to move in, I think. Because otherwise, we can't keep going at this rate because it's destroying the planet. And it reminds me, when the recession happened, I remember hearing an interview with a scientist who said that we have produced so many goods that even if a new planet were discovered in the morning, we still are oversubscribed with what we have yes. and the goods that we've produced. Yes. And, you know, that sense of even now things that are have the built-in obsolescence, like they're supposed to, to wear out, so we'll buy another one. Tell me about your own designs that you put up at the end, because you had a beautiful lamp. I, I loved that and a few other things. Well, the lamp design was a floor lamp consisting of a raw piece of stone to which was tied to it a piece of bamboo straight from the tree and hanging over that was some off-the-shelf mass-produced electrical bits and pieces like a light bulb and a, a socket and a switch and a cable which you could buy in any hardware store and they were simply draped over the natural components so at the end of the day they can just be simply separated the natural materials can be returned to the natural environment and the other components can be reused in another application but then later on in the presentation i gave some examples 
examples of other objects, which were not functional goods, but they were kind of arguments in image, if you like. So there was one about bottled water, which the labels were about environmental disasters. <laughs> and the idea there was to try and convey a, a message about sustainability and a message about the way we think about water today. The history of water in our modern times is a history of contamination and, through bottling it, commodification. So we've commodified an essential resource for life and we've also contaminated it. And so the idea of putting an image about that up it's another way of communicating. Because when we communicate in words, we communicate to the, the left-hand side of the brain, the rational, the logical. When we communicate through image, we communicate much more intuitively and much more immediately and emotionally. And I think we have to bring that side of it in to our sensibility if we're going to convey this message and the urgency about sustainability today. And there's a fundamentally spiritually important element to that because we have to look inwards into the heart Heart, not just think with the head, but also feel with the heart about where this system that we've got, this economic system of consumerism is taking us and realizing that it's actually not making us any happier, that happiness is to be found in other places. Now, as a, an academic, are you out on a limb, do you feel? Or would you be able to say to your colleagues in the academy, I'm off to give a talk on spirituality and design? <laughs> How would they look at you? Well, to some extent, but I think there's a growing awareness of it. And certainly, we've been doing some research in Cumbria, uh, just north of Lancaster University, with small enterprises, small craft makers and small enterprises, asking them about their motivations. We didn't talk about spirituality explicitly, but when we talked to them about why they did what they did, very few of them said we're in it for the money. Many more of them said we do it because we want to continue a tradition or contribute to the community, give back to the community, make a commitment to place. And because this place has given us so much, we want to try and give back to it, create local employment, create a little local wealth. So their motivations, the reasons for doing what they were doing, because they loved the place they were living in, and they felt they wanted to give something back. One company gives a certain percentage of their annual profits back to support local farmers. And that wasn't so unusual among the people we talked to. We talked to a, a group of women who started a cooperative where a mine had closed, and they had started a, a small art centre and a small enterprise producing goods in a cooperative manner to create profits to put back into the community try to stimulate some new growth there some reason to go on when this employer had closed in the town so there's a lot of thinking about other people commitment to place and giving back and those kinds of motivations which are tied to spiritual teachings which might not be expressed in that way but nevertheless it's innate to a lot of people yeah, because I remember yesterday just thinking you put up the knitting needles and the yes. ball of wool and yes. that has gained a new currency here in Ireland. Our former president, Mary McAleese, was great for the old knitting and sewing and there are cafes where people can go and knit and meet. Uh -huh. uh, there's one in Dublin, Knit and Chew, I think it's called, something like that. So that notion of maybe recapturing some things that we've had from the past but maybe at the same time incorporating them into the 21st century is important, isn't it? I think it's important. Tradition and thinking about traditional 
practices is very important because those traditions have often been passed down over the generations and there's a lot of embedded wisdom in many of those traditions about people's needs, about the relationship of how we create our material culture and provide for our material needs in a way that fits with the local environment, that doesn't damage the local environment. And traditional practices like knitting, for example, are very contemplative, very repetitive. They're not about many of the things that modern business and governments try to encourage innovation, novelty, newness all the time. And design is very much about that. And so putting up the knitting needles and the examples of knitting was one example of saying, well, actually, continuity has a value as well. Tradition has a value. These quiet practices which have gone on for generations have value as well. And they can be taken forward and renewed and reinvented for our current time. And that's what tradition means. Tradition doesn't mean staying still. If traditions stayed still. They wouldn't last generations. They wouldn't last 500 years because they'd be out of date and they would be of no use anymore. Traditions only stay relevant if they are updated, if they change over time to be relevant to each successive generation. So tradition does not mean staying still. It means change, but it means slow change, considered change over time so that it adapts to the new context. And finally, are you hopeful? Because at one level, consumerism, the economic model, globalization, rise of populism, overwhelming. On the other hand, there are seeds and shoots of hope and even yourself and your own profession is an example of that. I am hopeful. It is a big project to turn around and to change our current system because it's so embedded. But it didn't come from nowhere. It, It developed over time into what it is today and it can develop into something else in the future. And I am hopeful because I see a lot of young people being very aware of the natural environment. We've seen the recent protests in London and around the world, which was heralded by young people. And a lot of new businesses by young people coming out of university and art colleges and design colleges, starting up new businesses, which are about a different way of doing business. They're using local resources. They are reusing, recycling, repair, lending, developing new kinds of service-based sectors, which are about local community. And that's very hopeful, I think.